Ian. Hello, Dave. Hello, Ian. And we are honored to have a guest today on the podcast. Uh, I'd, I'd like to introduce Victoria Scott, incredible freelance writer, amazing photographer, van enthusiast, and uh, I'm going to say automotive culture icon. Oh, God. Well, now everybody <laughs> listening is going to be disappointed. So I appreciate that because, yeah, I'm not living up to that standard. But thank you. I'm excited to be on. I appreciate it. I, I think uh, self-deprecation is a is a pretty uh, key uh, fundamental aspect to have as an automotive journalist, right? We're we're barely automotive journalists and we have plenty of it. So I'd like to see if that like shifts like as you know, someone becomes greater as you have like your upward tra trajectory. Have you found so, uh, self-deprecation dropping off or like, how are you feeling? How are you doing? Oh gosh, um, self-deprecation is still definitely there. I think it's an important trait. Uh, Self-hatred is kind of lesser than it <laughs> okay. used to be. So that I think that's good. Yes. Um, just, I think the thing that's cool is like, I get to work at a lot of different outlets and I have a bunch of different editors and like, I'm constantly surrounded by like the just experts of this industry. So I am just cripplingly fully aware, not in a self-deprecating way, just at all times of how little I know, okay. which is, I think the best way to look at it. Like if I can remember that, that, you know, I work with people who are, who've been in this industry since, you know, I was born, uh, right. then maybe at least I can stay like humble. And okay. while also not hating myself. That's that's the goal. That's awesome. Yeah, right on. Well, and I and like, you know, I think all areas of journalism are like this, but I mean, it seems pretty clear that car journalism is especially like this, where there's always going to be somebody who knows more about a thing than than any other person, right? Like there's going to be, uh, you know, someone writing, like Jason Torchinsky writing articles on Jalopnik about, you know, the sub years of beetle tail lights. <laughs> you're not going to compete with that, you know, but right. you can write about my your soul, experiences. My sole goal is to become at some point through my life, and I'm talking like over the span of the next 30 years, but the only thing I want to be the unquestioned authority on is the English language expert for the Soviet uh, energy of Iran. I, I feel like I, I'm never going to know as much as there is to know, but maybe I can learn some like basic Russian translation and then become like a first primary source. Okay. So, okay. So I want to dig into this because <laughs> I, I think that like, for anybody who, who is familiar with you already and your, your body of work, right? I think for which that, I am sorry if you are, <laughs> <laughs> I think that there's been a, a few kind of uh, vectors in to getting to know Victoria Scott right like becoming familiar with victoria scott's work so we became familiar with you uh during the initial pandemic lockdowns when you started that twitter thread that was like i miss car shows fuck it here's a here's a let's do a an online twitter thread car show show me what you got here's my oh, yeah. aero deck right like yes i i honestly can't tell you like how bad of a place i was in mentally when that came into my life and how much I needed it at that point in time, like those little bright spots uh, that that like that people were like making an effort to provide for others during like an especially difficult time. Like I, I work in the healthcare industry. I'm an IT guy in healthcare and it's obviously crazy rough. Right. And that was a bright light. And we're very thankful. That was 
our trajectory in into becoming familiar with, with your work. Another possible trajectory is uh, if you happen to be a Soviet space enthusiast, right? Your quest to get a massive scale model of the Soviet space shuttle. Uh, yeah, like tell folks about that because that is amazing and I love it so much. Thanks. Uh, yeah, that was surreal. I still... It's sitting in a storage unit back in Houston right now. So I'm on this road trip, which is another vector that you might use to hear about me if you've, you know, yep. seen some of my stuff more recently and I can get into that later. But um, I still have it. Uh, basically, oh God, I was on Twitter one day and my friend Sid, uh, who runs One Hell of a Town, which is a, an art shop I love. Yes. There yes, we go. Exactly. Yep. We um, love Sid. She's been on the show. We could say, yeah. we can say friend of the show. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Friend of mine. Amazing person. But um, they tagged me in a post that was like somebody had found. Yeah, it wasn't a full size one, but they had found an eBay listing in Houston of a nine foot, two inch tall replica of uh, the, the energy of Iran. It was it appeared to be sitting in some sort of like storage closet. And I was just intrigued. I was just like. If it had been a space shuttle, I wouldn't have been intrigued because the space shuttle is not foreign and strange and right. uh, just kind of this weird artifact of a bygone era that I, mm -hmm. regardless of whether or not you're romantic for it, and I'm, I'm not really, I know that there's running jokes that, you know, I like Soviet stuff too much. Um, I don't have any, you know, I didn't live through that era. I know that it, the realities of the Soviet Union were miserable generally in practice. But at the same time, it's just like, you have this weird Galapagos of product development for, and this is why I have an interest in Soviet cars and you know watches or whatever. And the Buran is just like that. The Buran is the American shuttle developed in a vastly different set of circumstances for similar purposes with a completely different outcome. And so it's fascinating to me. So anyway, there's a nine foot tall model of it on eBay <laughs> and I went over and checked it out and then I bought it the next morning or actually no, the same night i bought it the same night and then i picked it up like two days later Hell um, yes. it's actually it's 124th scale so it's like eight feet three inches without the base okay. and um it is like an exact 124th scale model of um of the real thing that is amazing that is amazing uh, cool oh full disclosure maybe uh, depending on when the show runs uh there's an article i've been working on with uh matt hardigree of apex one uh filmmaker mostly now but he still does his own he's got his own um site for for interesting stories and car reviews and stuff and so i have a story that should be coming out with him at some point in the near future it was that's... there was a lot of research involved so that's why i'm like i already started down this path and i'm like it's a low bar to clear pro probably because not very many like Americans seem to know a lot about the history of failed Soviet space projects. <laughs> um, so I think maybe I can do it. I already have like a head start on trying to learn everything about it possible. But yeah, that's my long winded explanation. Sorry. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't know much about the Russian space program. So like watching uh, your dialogue with Sid, uh, like as an educational way into it was a fantastic ingress to it. Uh, and I follow that uh, Instagram account, Northern Friend, that just like tours like uh, abandoned Russian sites oh, and like crazy. Yeah. yeah, right. Like so that that kind of stuff's always been a fascination, like that quantity of infrastructure failing and just oh, yeah. being left is just nuts it's, it's almost like a multiverse like version of like the american space shuttle like you know like somebody moved a chair and now you have like an abandoned 
space shuttle in a in a hangar yeah. somewhere, right? Yeah. The, the, the greatest shame of the whole thing is that the Buran was technically superior, which is another thing, like a fun thing I've learned about it. It's like it, the shuttle had this real complicated booster system where propellant was fed into the body of the orbiter itself, which takes up a lot of space, adds a lot of complexity, it adds more failure points. Um, the Buran just literally just they hooked it onto a big rocket and the rocket took off and then it steered in space with little uh with little orbiter um nozzles but like okay it had way more payload it was way simpler it was cheaper to reuse like all of these things about it that were great and then they were just like well we don't have any money so they let them sit in a in a garage basically it's literally a barn find at this point it's the it's the beta max of the of space programs. <laughs> That's too bad. Technically superior. Nobody, yeah, nobody had a chance to use it. That's too bad. But yeah, so um, yeah, it is yeah. interesting too, like how good the Soviets were at engineering simplicity stuff. You know, like there's that old the saw about the the. The NASA NASA spending so much money to get the pen to work in the space in space. That one wasn't quite true though. Right. Right. Um that that story I, I definitely I see where you're coming from, but I just have to point out that, that that story isn't true and I can't slander NASA at the same time. I still like NASA. <laughs> I will only I will only praise the Buran in comparison to its arch rival. I cannot actually condemn the shuttle because it was still awesome. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and it actually like flew. Yes, yes, it did. Right on. So, uh, in addition to now being a Russian space podcast, (laughs) (laughs) you know, we. Comrades, let's move on to another another topic. Yeah. Um, So, you mentioned the other vector that people became familiar with you uh, for would be the, the, the Toyota Hiace, in which you're currently in the middle of a road trip ish yeah no it's definitely still a road trip it just hasn't it's been uh focused on sort of waiting recently but i'm still not home like currently i'm staying in a a guest bedroom at my friend's house in los angeles where i've been stuck pretty much for a month but we won't won't say stranded because that's not no because i see the thing about this trip is um so okay just for background overview um, I left from Houston, Texas about two months ago, actually a little over two months ago now, um, and set out west, I guess, with kind of just a desire to explore. I had a couple of events I wanted to make um, and just, you know, take my van and see nature. You know, I had been I had, right. I had been really strict about lockdown for the past year. I worked a software job. I didn't really have a lot of chances to get out and do a whole lot of things. So I was like, okay, I'm vaccinated. I want to go see my friends. I want to go drive up mountains and I want to write about it. Um, and I was doing work already with the drive and they're they're the ones who told me like, hey, we'll, we'll run these. We'd like to help you with these. Um, so they've been publishing these stories about this trip uh, in a series called the Vans Continental Express. Um, and so as a result of that, though, because the the, the trip is a story, because uh, the drive has been helping me with this, um, you know, they've never really stranded. I can always, they got me a, an emergency beacon so that if I really get, you know, have a breakdown somewhere outside the cell signal or whatever, I can still get help. You know, they, there's very little mortal danger um, intentionally, because I think that I think it's a better story if I'm just exploring ideas, you know, and 
car culture in general rather than like i almost died here's what it's like and i still see stories where i'm like i almost died here's what it's like um but as a result like i could have gone home i could have flown home as soon as the van broke and i could have said i'm done i'll come back later and i have chosen not to because i think that part of the adventure is going through misfortune yeah Um, and it's not even been that misfortunate i've been i I haven't been homeless or anything i've got friends let me stay with them i you know it's been overall not bad it's just it's not a road trip right now but it's a journey fled from it yes yeah 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 that's fantastic yeah no we we've been following uh yeah been following the story it's it's amazing it's some of it's some of my favorite like automotive like centric writing that you know that i've ever come across it's amazing yeah thank you thank you yeah no yeah we we'd like to talk about some of the articles specifically oh, yeah. like yeah but ian did you want to kind of start with like the the cars is for stabilizing forces? Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so i think the thing that that struck me most about your story just kind of the whole arc of it so far mm-hmm. um was the idea of like you know we're all in this really kind of tumultuous time and you personally are in a very tumultuous time in your life you know it's you've been going there's been a lot of uh change in your life um and the idea that like a car in it just of in itself as a stabilizing force in your life as like the thing that you can rely on and count on even when it does break down like it's still your relationship with that car is like a constant mm-hmm. with everything else changing around you but then also like cars more broadly like you know your community the community that you've built through uh, your love of cars is kind of like sustaining you as you like are going yeah. Oh, yeah. on this literal journey, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, so that, that was what I loved about the, the story is that idea is just through the whole thing of it. Um, it weighs really big and, and smaller, like staying in someone's house. Yeah, no, I mean, um, the story I wrote that published today was part 11. And that was kind of about, nailing down the sense of home that my van has given me even just like the ability you know i I bought it with cash back in march i put fourteen thousand miles on it since then and i shouldn't say it i always i have been decidedly making it uh an effort to call it her um her name is marcia and at this point like the, the number of things that i've been through on this trip with that van uh it it truly like she's gotta be sentient i'm convinced it is it is it is beyond just normal coincidence. She she knows what's going on, and she's like, <laughs> "This might seem annoying, but I'm going to do this right now." So you'll figure out how to deal with it. <laughs> okay, okay. I do like the kind of mischievous uh, personality that Marcia seems to have too. Of she seems to be almost like a toddler, like testing you, testing limits a little bit. I think I think the thing with the van that makes it um, so ideal for this trip is like she's capable enough as a vehicle to handle 14,000 miles of driving around America and in a freeway system vastly faster than she was ever designed for um, without complaint. You know, Uh, she has AC that works. She's got a bed. She's super comfortable. She's very habitable. But I think that the ways that she has broken so far, which to date have been, um, I had an alternate eye on me, which is a totally normal thing especially i had just driven like 200 miles of dirt roads in the like three days prior so it it, the van is 
as old as I am. I just turned 26. Like, that's to be expected. Um, right. So I got that fixed, made it out to my event. It was no mortal threat to my trip. Um, this time when she broke, it was, I mean, partly my fault. Um, I was driving down a mountain. I shouldn't have gone up. <laughs> and I mean, I, I, I found this mountain trail and it looked really fascinating. And I knew the view at the top would be probably pretty good. Um, so I drove up it and I was like the whole time on the way up, I was like, I shouldn't be doing this, but I kept going. I don't know. I, you just end up like target locked on destinations sure. that you want to get to when you're road tripping. Um, so I got up there and then when the next morning when I came down, I was doing really well until there was just a rock that I, I straddled on the front, slammed the brakes and just smacked one of the, uh, the real tra rear trailing arm brackets on the rock, lifted the rear end of the van up, and then about 10 feet later, the bracket just snapped and the trailing arm fell into the dirt. So that was my fault. Like, I can't, I can't be mad at Marsha for it. And she broke 100 miles exactly from the repair shop. Uh, <laughs> okay. By the time I got her to the nearest gas station, it worked out to be literally 100 miles in the dot, which is exactly as far as AAA will take you. Yeah. Yep. And, um, <laughs> you know, now I, and I was deposited in LA, a place where I probably know more people than anywhere else on earth, and I can actually survive so um even for a situation where i was completely at fault and she would have been correct to just dump my ass off the side of the mountain <laughs> she still got me to a point where i can continue taking this trip you know at some point in the near future so well, yeah you're, definitely you're mischievous fixed. but not harmful go right. ahead sorry right, yeah, sorry. Yeah. well and that's why i use the word mischievous yeah, yeah. and not you know malevolent. yeah Hey, have you ever read I Kill Giants? I don't know. I, I, no, I haven't. Okay. Yeah, I don't want to say anything, but I, I, like, you might like it and might think about Marsha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I think it's great. Yeah. Um, no, that's, that's fantastic. I, the, <laughs> they, I, I think that like this, like the sentience, like the, these aspects of automotive ownership are so fascinating to me because like all of these emotions that we attach to our vehicles are so legitimate, right? Like I recently lost my beautiful Saab Vigan a little bit ago oh. due to a, probably my own fault going too hard at the track with this idiot in the passenger seat and it spun a rod bearing. And uh, yeah, we also took advantage of AAA. <laughs> uh, to tow <laughs> AAA will pick you up at the racetrack. Yep. Oh, yep. Nice. Learn that. Yeah. Yeah. No questions uh, asked. <laughs> yeah, but grief is absolutely a legitimate part of the automotive ownership experience. Like all of these things that like the vehicles facilitate in us themselves, but then also the experiences that they help us get to, right? Like it's so key. And that's been one thing that I've really liked about reading your articles in this, in, in the journey is that like the emotions you have emotion centric to the vehicle is, you know, as one part of it, but then as a conduit the vehicle being the conduit to get to other things is really a beautiful experience and and so beautifully articulated thank you thank you i appreciate it yeah the, um yeah no i was just gonna say like i the story that started my career actually was i wrote um a piece when i was first trying to figure out what my gender identity was or what i wanted to call it publicly and where i was gonna land with that and i wrote about like the uh, connection that I had with my car. And that was, that was, it gave me the first context I'd ever had to evaluate myself from a, a different perspective. I evaluated myself as a person through my car and the decisions I had made with it and the trips I had taken. And I just, it, it wasn't, you know, 
a perfect psychological analysis, but as far as like a literary one, as far as, as far as something that, you know, could help kind of show people what made me tick. I thought that my experience with that car was extremely um, accurate. So I think like, I always wanted to do like a road trip story that was more about the trip and more about finding that one, you know, right vehicle for it. Um, I was just excited that, you know, the drive would let me run it. Cause I, it doesn't, it's not exactly like, I think intentionally, like you've mentioned, you, it's, you haven't read a lot of these and it's, I think it's a, partly because like, it's not really traditional automotive writing. Um, right. And so, you know, I'm psyched to get to do it. And, you know, I've definitely read other great road trip stories in the past, but I think that they weren't presented from an automotive lens. And I think that does add another facet to it. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Before. No, no, no. Yeah, no. Like the the journey that you're going through and like the seeing your voice represented in in automotive media is like it's not just important to the folks that you're representing and to people that identify with you. You know, but it's also an opportunity for everyone else in car culture to be empathetic to voices that are not their own. Right. And so seeing these experiences and and, and feel like having the opportunity to see things through your eyes as you're going through this journey is just it's made a great impact on on me. You know, and, and oh. I just I really appreciate Thank it. You. It's it's really it's really great. Yeah, no, we Thanks. can't say enough. You can't make me cry on the podcast <laughs> against the rules. You oh would be God. the third person to cry on you the show. Can't. So well, yeah, you can't you can't make me. That's just not fair. <laughs> no, but Thank like you it, very much. It's no problem. Like it, so, like one thing that we 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 try to bring to the automotive culture with our podcast is taking in like all of this kind of full circle of emotion and like vulnerability and culture and representation because ultimately Ian and I are just like two cis white dudes right and so we need like we need these voices because they make culture better they make car culture better and they make us better as people well and I think too the other thing is just like um you know I I I think that to discredit yourself right I like don't discredit yourself, I guess, for any matter of identity. That's kind of the angle I'm taking it from. The only reason that I mention my identity in the stories that I write is because, I mean, yes, for one, nobody's really gotten a chance to tell them all that much. We we had a, a culture sort of built up around storytelling and just like zines and queer literature and stuff that all got wiped out with the 80s. And I think that our generation is going to be kind of one of the first to really build that in a strong way where we can actually perpetuate it to future generations. Um, Cause it definitely took a beating after that. So part of me is like, yes, I want to talk about it just because in that sense, I think rebuilding that body of literature, just letting, letting, you know, teenagers read this and be like, Oh, a lot of things in my life make more sense now right. would be something that would have been super helpful to me as a kid. But the other thing too, is just like, um, one of the things that I do when I finish a story that I really like where I have involved my identity in a deep way is I send it to people who don't share my identity at all before I, you know, like before I publish it, um, I want, I want everybody from every background to read it and kind of see at least some common element of the human experience to it. And that's why I think like that, I mention it because I think that the things that I've gone through are more similar to other people's than they realize. And I want to, I want to share that vulnerability in a way that makes people feel okay for having it in themselves. Um, so in that regard, like who I am telling the story, I don't think matters. I think honesty and, you know, 
trying to really be introspective about very deep parts of yourself are like the key elements. And I truly think that like anyone who wants to write a story like this probably could. And that's why I like when I hear people say they want to go on trips or start writing because of what they've seen. It's like, good, you should, you can, anyone can do this kind of thing. You just need to be honest about yourself. So that's my, my overview on it. Sorry. No. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, And, and again, like the, the, the car and road trip as a, like literary framing device is mm-hmm. so nice because again, it's like a literal journey. <laughs> it's like not the most subtle metaphor, but it's very effective because everyone has done it, right? Everyone mm-hmm. has gone on a literal and metaphorical journey. And it's, it's a really, it's just a really handy way to like tie your life experience to somebody else's life experience. And it's a common, you know, it's, it's a, a meeting point, right? You yeah. Can, you can get from A to B, even though A and B don't seem like they should meet up at all, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the, I mean, the other thing too, is just like car culture is perfect for that. Right. Like, I've met so many different people with so many different backgrounds through car culture. And like most of them, uh, you know, I, I obviously had bad experiences, but on the whole, like I try to tell people this, like people are nice. And if you like cars, they will talk to you about them. Right. So I've right. had super good luck with that. Yeah. It's not without a shitty elements, just like car- culture at large, but yeah. Right. On the whole. Right. And you know, there's people that are actively trying to make it better. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. No. Well, that, that's sort of another thing that we, we talked, uh, we usually ask our guests on the show is like, if you had to deliver the state of the union for car culture, you know, um, as, and I think as the, um, you know, the, uh, the, the esteemed representative from weird car Twitter stand, uh, <laughs> you're probably well suited more, maybe really well suited, uh, to give a state of the union of car culture, uh, in the year 2021. Um, Shoot, I should have, I, I knew I should have opted for teleprompters in this room. Uh, my fellow Americans. Uh, no, I, I think that, um, I think that overall you're seeing the same cultural struggles. I think that automotive culture, at least in the U.S., is a microcosm of broader culture because, you know, regardless of how many women or trans people or gay people have been represented in positions of power or media or whatever in the past, they've always been there. Um, And so I think now what you're starting to see is like the same trends as in broader culture, a little bit delayed, but overall still positive. It's, you know, there are more people speaking up about their identities and how it intersects with their enjoyment. There are more people who will not tolerate the sexist bullshit that permeates a lot of car meets. Um, there are friendly environments to go and show off cars that were once unloved at like Radwood and, you know, Oblivion. And there's a couple other car shows like that. Um, so there's very much a broadening of horizons in terms of what makes a car enthusiast, you know, the kind of people that are allowed to participate. Like, I don't know if I'd be in this situation 10 years ago. I kind of doubt I would. Um, so I'm, I think on the whole, that's good. I think the only concern I have is also a reflection of broader culture, which is that everything is too goddamn expensive. And I mean, in a literal sense, like yeah. 
uh, rent is insane. The rent is too um, damn high. Yeah. Seriously, like, uh, you know, basic living supplies, groceries, like phone bill, like just literally everything except for like disposable consumer electronics are just through the roof. Um, and that applies to cars. And at a certain point, no one wants a 2001 Hyundai Accent to be their first project car. It's just not exciting, you know? Um, and I think that that's like the biggest thing is even five years ago when I bought my Supra, uh, which was my first car, I, I had a 88 Turbo Mark III Targa manual transmission. So it was like ideal. Um, and I was like, this is cool as hell. It hyped me on the hobby. It got me hooked. And I have that car to thank for pretty much all of my future involvement in the hobby. Um, but like if I had gotten, you know, a base model 04 Civic, I don't think I would have been quite as excited about it. It's really hard to maintain that kind of enthusiasm for kind of what you're seeing is the leftovers. And we're getting to a point very rapidly where the cars, the classic car pricing has now swept forward through the 90s. And used car pricing, because used cars are usable longer than ever, is like the mid-thousands. We have about five years left of affordable stuff. Um, and then beyond that, they're just going to collide, and it's just going to become this this mess of just like, if you buy something, it's going to be just the most undesirable, broken piece of shit, uh, which is not a fun way to get involved. And it's it's hard for me to help friends pick out cars for an affordable, can I try this hobby out some? And I think that's the biggest issue with it right now, and I don't know how to fix that. Um right. I think fixing the economy in general is probably how it gets fixed. I don't think it's something that car culture itself can address. I think it's just too broad of a societal problem. Um, but yeah, that's my state of the union, I guess. Uh, overall, good. Just <laughs> concerns for the future, which I think is kind of how I feel about the world currently. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's fair. The state of our union is strongish. <laughs> I wouldn't say strongish. I would say it's not, I would say it's not currently on fire, but it's still kind of smoldering a little bit. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, well, so another, you know, we, that's a big thing on our show is talking about how car culture and larger culture, you know, both reflect each other and affect each other and all that. And you had another story out recently um, that we want to talk about um, because it's your review of the Dodge Viper. Um, oh, yeah, that came out today. Yeah. And, Victoria, uh, we got to get into this. <laughs> yeah, because, <laughs> this is one of because, my favorite things ever that you wrote. Yeah. yeah. So well, uh, thank uh, you. Thank us you. talking about masculinity on this show has been kind of a long running thing. Oh, OK. Yes. Um, yes. And uh, so I really, really liked the framing that you 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 used uh, to to review uh, this twenty five year old car. Uh, tell so just if, explain kind of the conceit of the article, and then we'll kind of jump off from there. Okay, yeah. So I got this Viper unexpectedly. So normally when I do these classic car reviews, and there are a whole series for the well, not really a series. It's just. I've done a bunch of them for the drive and I would like to keep doing a bunch of them yeah. at some point. Everyone wants you to keep doing it. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. But so I get to drive a bunch of really cool stuff um, that I am just continually astounded that I'm like, I get to drive this today. Okay, cool. Um, so I've done like, uh, I did a Renault five turbo. I did a, the Honda lady one of one concept car. I did a one of 12 Ferris Bugazi. Um, 06 Pontiac GTO, like LS2, like just the, the cars of our, like, of my generation's dreams for the most part, and maybe a little bit of Gen X's, um, but just sort of like revisiting them and sort of 
putting them in their cultural context with the benefit of hindsight, seeing how they stacked up against other cars of the era. Um, and, you know, to an extent, I'll talk about my impression of them, how they handled, how I thought they, how they had dated and how they hadn't in the intervening years. Um, so for this car, I got this Viper. Uh, my van broke. I went to Radwood. I didn't have a car. My friend two rode it. And he was like, Hey, Victoria, do you want to drive a Viper to Radwood? Because I don't have a vehicle admission, but you do. And I was like, hell yes. So I Who says you know, no to that? No, I mean, not what? me. I'll tell you that yeah. much. <laughs> um, so he pulls up that the next morning in a 94 Dodge Viper RT10. I took it to Radwood. And it was, of course, a hit. I mean, everybody loves an old Viper. Apparently, that car has been to every Bay Area Radwood because it's on Turo and it's 150 bucks a day. And who doesn't say yes to that? Who's oh, there for that? Right. Like, exactly. Um, so, yeah, so I got this car through that experience. So because it was so sudden and random and I just didn't know it was coming until the day of, and, you know, then I was after I was like, I want to tell a story about this. Can I drive it, please? Some more. Um, I had no preconceived notions except for solely what the culture around me had given me. There was no spec sheet review. There was no going back and checking my notes or looking at what Dodge's initial intent was. I literally just was like, I watched a ton of TV shows about this as a kid. I drove mm -hmm. a lot of video games. That's all I have going in. And all of those things tell me this car will kill you. This car hates you. It is rudimentary and it is masculine. And that's, I think, what pretty much everybody thinks about them. Um, I certainly did going into it. And then when I finished driving it, I was like, well, I get why everybody says that, but I still kind of liked it, um, which is a little confusing for who I am. I mean, I pretty, I wouldn't say I reject masculinity, but for me personally, as a practice, it wasn't working. So for me to take a look at basically the most masculine car and say, I love this was something that I, I didn't, I could have just said, I love this and been like, yeah, it's stupid. That's why I love it. Right. But I wanted to kind of like dig to the crux of what makes it masculine and what makes it, um, what makes it so imposing and why I would still enjoy it. I thought that, that was more interesting than just like, this is a 94 Viper. It's crazy because that article has been written a bunch. I mean, that the car is inherently insane. Yeah. I, I think the, the thing that I was thinking about when I was reading it was it's like, a it's kind of a fun inversion of the, like all the, kind of derogatory kind of vaguely shitty things that were said about the Miata when it was new. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. Right? right. Of like, you're, if you don't enjoy the thing that matches you, then that means something about you. Right. Instead yeah. of just like, it's a fun thing. Yeah. Um, you know, being able to enjoy things that don't map to you, um, it should be allowed. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> right? that's how you have to like, there's a there's a i think for like trans women in general there's this like huge urge to just be like oh i have to prove this to my doctors to my parents or whatever i can't you know i have to be super femme which means i have to stop liking the things i like and i've luckily i never fell into that and my whole goal in life is to tell literally all of my friends like hey don't do this it cars are super fucking cool like whatever you enjoy yeah. um right yeah, yeah. And, but, and it's the same way for you know oh god know, yeah you know a, 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 if, a teenage boy out there who's like i can't be seen driving a miata because my friends will think i'm gay like that's insane no it 
Miata's are, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like just at the base of it, the Miata drives so well that people could think whatever they wanted about me and I'd still drive one. Right. If I had the money for an ND, I'd be like, you can think that I like embezzled money from the government because <laughs> I'm driving a Miata and I would still be like, I don't care. I love this car. <laughs> it's worth the criticism. <laughs> right. The, there is, there is a, a very nice, like, what is the first one that we got? Was it the NA here? Uh, mm-hmm. And a Miata, like three yeah. houses down from me that I see when I go on my morning walk, it is painted bright pink and it makes my morning every day I see it. It is just a happy button that is just so good to see, right? Yeah, it's little pop-up headlights are up all the time. <laughs> Who cares if they're broken? They're up and, you know, the smiling face is greeting me, you know, because they back it into the driveway. So thank you, random Miata owner for that. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's um like the 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 fact that like you called out the stuff in in the Viper article, uh, like the because we just had a listener send us this and, and we've seen it before, like the the no airbags. We die like men shit, right? Like I took that, that picture in Moab. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Ian, famously not a listener of our show. <laughs> not. Never yeah, but like the. <laughs> And, and the, the line that you said, like that just really resonates that, uh, is that self-destructive, self-destructive behavior is not a cry for help. It's, it it is a cry for help. It's not a sign of strength. And I butchered that and I'm so sorry, but it is so, it is so well-written and eloquent. And, and I really appreciate that take on it because that is, that is how it is. Like that is the real, the reality behind toxic shit like that, that just, yeah we yeah we don't need it you know well and i was writing this story about the viper right after engaging that self-destructive behavior of driving up that mountain i shouldn't have so it was on my mind a lot because okay I mean, that was, this is right in rapid succession um and so i was thinking about kind of self-destructive behavior why sure. do we do it what you know what do we have to prove and this car has this car made me feel well balanced because it, I thought I had like this chip on my shoulder, a bunch of things to prove. I have nothing compared to the Dodge Viper and the way it handles. So yeah, that was a fun way to put it in perspective, I guess. I like that. I, I've only driven one once. I was scared because it was the most vague thing I've ever driven. And yeah, it was it was very frightening at like I was probably driving it at two tenths, you know? And mm-hmm. it, you know, it it scared me and I don't want to go back to there. <laughs> and to be clear, it was on an autocross course, right? Yes, it was. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, no, I, that, that's a fantastic article. Yeah. Um, Thank you so much. Yeah, no. Um, so to kind of like hop off the, like to tag onto like the toxic masculinity stuff, we, we play a game on this show and, and we'd like to, we, we'd like to play it with you. So okay. it is a, it is a game based on vanity plates. Um, okay. Because we've all seen them. It is a part of automotive culture that can go anywhere from offensive to cringy to funny to, you know, whatever, like you'd never mm-hmm. want to talk to that person. Right. So I'm going to give you a, a picture of three cars with their vanity plates blacked out. And I'll give you the vanity plates on the side and you see if you can match them to the vehicle okay. that they are. Okay. This one is called, I wrote a title for it. 
No, seriously. Dudes with trucks are fine. Mentally, fine. Really. They're fine. Fine. <laughs> so, so oh, this I'm, is great. I'm As a gonna... Texan, I can definitely do this one. Oh, oh yeah. 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 Right? You've you've seen you've seen all three of these people before, even if you've never seen these three people. Yes. You know what I mean? Like you've, yeah. you've seen them before. Yes. So if you'd like, while you take okay, in. No, no, it's easy. Uh, can, you zoom in? can you zoom in on the, the back window of that truck in the middle there, the Silverado? Yeah, I like, I like we're already going in for the context clues. This is, yes. this is a good sign. Just like give it. me this and I think I've got it after that. If you can zoom in on that. Oh, I think it's, I think it's, oh, it's uh, a boat. Oh, no, it's an air compressor. Okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's All a right. big air compressor. So you've got a, a Chevy Silverado, white, another white Silverado, not as lifted as the first one, and then just a big old dark red maroon Ram truck, power wagon. All right. Definitely, like, from top to bottom, it's great white uh, mom's boy and man truck. Wow. That was impressive. You freaky. Right? You yeah, can you talk us through your talk us through your process? What did you? Uh, Great white is too. It's too stupidly obvious to be some sort of crypto fash statement because people try to hide it more than that. So it has to just be some idiot who just didn't think through like putting something absurdly close to like white nationalist shit. On that's where my plate. mind went with it. Yeah. And so I was just like, and it's big. And that's the kind of thing you do. That's stupid. That's what I'm like. Truck. It's a big white truck. Because here's the thing. <laughs> if great white, if great white had been on the Ram, I would have expected to see a fascist sticker on it. Sure. Because sure. that's what I would have was looking for. Right. Um, on that, like on that one down there. And for there's no stickers. Uh, so that one was, that one had to be left. And then, Man truck is absolutely a Dodge Ram owner. I just, there's no the the Ram in the same way the Viper is is just tapping the collective id of the American male. Yeah. They are they are just they are literally like. Did you ever watch Home Improvement when it was on? Oh yeah, like, the yeah. 90s? Oh, yeah. Well, and there was just the I, the man grunts that Tim Allen used to do. Mm-hmm. Dodge Ram builds people builds trucks for people who still do that because they saw it in Home Improvement 20 years ago and think it's funny. So man truck makes sense. Then it leaves mom's boy for the person with the white truck, which like, it's the least stupid. Like mom's boy is just kind of sweet, theoretically. Right. It could also be like really kinky, but we'll not go that right now. <laughs> um, but it's like, that's a stock Silverado with an air compressor in the bed. That person is clearly not trying to be like, they're not posturing with their truck at the very least. They're using the bed, right? So. Right. That is my thinking. The the last tires they aired up with that compressor were their mother's Camry tires. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like Buster Bluth, but in truck form. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, no. Uh, our our buddy Jesse sent us the man or uh, sent us the mom's boy uh, uh, picture that she saw. Yeah, and, yeah, and I had the the pleasure of witnessing great white and man truck myself. Um, when we saw man truck, uh, my wife let out a disgruntled and upset groan that just like it resonated through the neighborhood. Like, yeah, you may have heard it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so there you go. Yeah. Okay. Well, 10 out of 10, hundred percent. You nailed the vanity plate game. Yeah. 
Thank you. Very, very well done. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Like I can just like picture you just like shoving everyone aside. Like I got this. Boom, boom, boom. Like <laughs> shut up, everyone. <laughs> we just like unlocked a talent that you did not know you had. Like, like, apparently, Victoria, she's a, a vanity plate savant. So there you go. Yeah. Well done. Well done. Yeah. yeah. Thank you yeah. very much. You can come back and we have we do those pretty regularly on the show. Dave invented this game and I think it's it's the best because you really have to like dig in to the psyches of the people who own these vehicles and then yeah. who also like pay money to have these things advertised about themselves to the world, which I find my bond. That's why I've never had a vanity plate. I've I've had some really good ideas. Like I wanted to do like um like B20 lewd or, you know, for like my old prelude or I wanted to do like, like, uh, what was my Advan? I had an Advan super themed plate. I thought, oh, super ad was the one I wanted to do because it wasn't taken in Texas somehow. Um, so I came up with a bunch, but then I got to the point where I was like, pay the government 80 more dollars a year to do this. And the Texas government hadn't done a whole lot for me lately. So I was like, nah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't get those dollars. Those dollars yeah. go elsewhere, right? Yeah. I'm sorry. I only pay voluntary taxes to functioning governments. <laughs> right. You fix the power grid. Maybe I'll maybe I'll pay you more. Yeah, then we can talk. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, I want to start a nonprofit organization that like intervenes people as they go into the DMV that want a vanity plate and like gets them like to the core of their issue and like gets them to redirect it to a, a charitable cause right right yeah Dave's, i mean Dave's you can spend... would be let's unpack that uh -huh. <laughs> you can spend money on whatever you'd like but i just i if you're paying like that's a 70 80 ram probably oh yeah the power yeah. wagon mm -hmm. to pay to have man truck put on it does really suggest that that 80 dollars or whatever would have been better spent on like help <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. One, I'd like one introspection, please. <laughs> yeah, or even like a spa day or something right? to like calm the fuck down a little bit. Cucumbers for your eyes, dude. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? No. Yeah. Uh yeah. These people. My favorite uh, conundrum with that is the Texas "Don't Tread on Me" plate. So you're paying oh, yeah. the government more for the yeah. plate that says you don't like the government like that. <sighs> it, oh, God, that could be a whole other podcast. Yes. Texans yeah. are very weird about their state government. That's yes. all I can say. Yeah. yeah. Living wow. there, I've lived there for three and a half years or so. Well, I mean, I've lived there for three and a third years and I was on the, in my van for the rest of that. <laughs> right. Uh, but Texas is like whole mentality as just like a people and a culture is truly beyond like, I think most Americans outside of it um, kind of just truly beyond their, their kind of grasp because nobody goes to like Connecticut and they're like, damn, I got to watch out for these Connecticut Ians. <laughs> they're, they're their own independent, strong, proud people. And Texans are totally like that. And it's mm -hmm. very different. That's, right. Yeah. I think exhausting is the word you're looking for. Um, <laughs> I was trying to be nice, you know, but we have a lot. We have, we're in Denver. We have tons of ex Texans here. Yeah. yeah. Lots I used of friends to live in Oklahoma. Texas. I lived in Oklahoma for eight years. So, um, 
I interacted with a lot of Texans and and nobody has a bigger chip on their shoulder about Texans than Oklahomans do. <laughs> I can believe that. Yeah. Yeah. So I've heard it from both sides and then I left. Yeah. <laughs> the only winning move is to not play. Right? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Ian, what do you, what do you think? What else? Uh, what else you well, want you, to talk? You, about? You, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, you did mention that there were like specific fan stories you wanted to go through. And I don't know if I covered that or not. Um, well, no, I think the, 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 your heroic fix after breaking. Oh, it, yes. Uh, you, you mentioned, you mentioned breaking it while off road. Um, I did think that your fix that you did was, yes. was especially like pretty, <laughs> I don't know if it was inventive or desperate or both or, um, um, I wasn't a desperate yet, honestly. I've been a desperate a bunch of times in this trip and I was, that was still like early in the morning. It wasn't even that hot yet. Okay. Um, so no, I think at that, that one, I'm just going to chalk up to like, I had it, it worked. Uh, it in this context is a very heavy chain that was originally used to pull engines that has since been repurposed and a set of leg irons and handcuffs because I didn't have any ratchet straps, but a suitcase full of kink gear and... That's what happens when you're a single trans woman driving around the U.S. by yourself. <laughs> is you're like, damn, I have, I have very, uh, I have very interesting and separated from traditional family notions of what love is, and what experiences I'd like to have in my life. And then you have handcuffs and leg irons in your suitcase, and suddenly you're trapped on a mountain where the only thing you can use to keep them up is that. Right. Right. <laughs> I, I love the fact that like on Twitter, it was basically like my king got me out of this. Like, yeah, I, the line that I used was, um, so I used the handcuffs to secure the chain. I used the leg irons to keep the front end of the, the uh, trailing arm off the ground because the spring wanted to push it down into the dirt. Right. And then I used my mirror that I had brought solely for putting on makeup That's to right. adjust everything. And so what I said was lust and vanity Save my ass. Okay, <laughs> so well, perfect. And I, what I mean, and I, I keep coming back to this, but like, as far as again, an, a, a metaphor for you know, fusing your identity with your car and the journey that you're on. Again, not subtle, but very effective. You literally chained part of your identity to your car to well, continue your journey. And I mean, part of it too, like just just being super open is like, I have had this notion for so long that I had to be perfectly puritanical um, in terms okay. of my presentation to be able to have a career and to be a writer and to, you know, um, just like be accepted. And so like that story was nerve wracking for me to tell because I was worried that the rea popular reaction to it would be not positive uh, it ended up being positive and it ended up being probably one of my more most popular van stories to date which i think has told me like you can relax like you can have human elements to you and nobody's going to be upset about that so it was like as a, you know as a it was truly the only choice i had to make to get down and as i was doing it i was like this story is going to be interesting <laughs> right and then it worked and i was like i can't believe i did it 
if I made it down the mountain, then I can write the story. And then that's where it went from there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can I can see why you were concerned about wanting to stay puritanical and telling your story, because famously, there are no sex metaphors in car journalism ever. Oh, yeah, there's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think um, you're I think you're OK. Yeah. I think so, too. I think the idea just like, um, you know, there's there's not been a ton of trans women doing this and just like discussing sexuality as a cis woman even is um, just a minefield because yeah. of what it invites and the kind of um, there are men who take that as an invitation for things. There are men who think that they can treat you less because of it. And then to do that as a trans woman just like adds another whole level of complexity. Right. And so I was just like. But at the same time, I was like, that's how I fixed the van and got down the mountain. I have to tell people this because it was hilarious. Right. So I wrote about it. Now, like, I think I've just uh, made peace with the idea of people knowing me as a complete rounded human instead of a robot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we're all better for it. Honestly, <laughs> yes. Fantastic. I mean, it worked. Like, yeah. I can't knock it because it got me down. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I was once stranded uh in the mountains because uh, a a wire came off of my alternator and i wasn't able to fix it at all i didn't even know that was the problem so this is pretty impressive <laughs> you know i think a lot of it comes down to uh the midwest i think the real reason i fixed it there was like i had enough water and food to last me a week okay um, i had people that knew my location like and that's the thing i said earlier about like the <clears throat> you know my editor cares about me he's my friend i'm at his house like there's there's uh, you know it, it's deeper than just like a writer submitting stories so you know they have taken steps to make sure that i as a person am safe so there's no mortal danger to any of this um it's just uh you know there's inconveniences like it would have sucked to have gotten stuck up there and it would have cost me a lot of money to get down and right. deep inside me the ohioan that i was raised was like you're getting this van down for free okay, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and that was why i was like i'm gonna i'm determined to fix this is just because like my cheapness mm -hmm. was just overwhelming everything else possible so Mid midwestern motivation driven by thriftiness yes it, absolutely right the only way you could have been more midwestern is if you would in interjected in the middle of the story to tell us how much you spent on the handcuffs <laughs> I got on sale. they were they were like 15 bucks it's not that expensive i mean and they're like i mean as i've joked to my friends since this is like i only buy trail rated kink gear um, <laughs> I up the whole way down they're like legit like cop spec cuffs so i mean yeah you need to get a little rubicon badge for him or something <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, I'm imagining an entire like line of kink gear that could that could double as you know automotive oh, fixins. Yeah, yeah. Toe straps. I, you got the whole. I see. A I, a, I saw a few readers uh, of the story who were like, "Oh, I got something new to add to the four wheeler gear now," and I was like, "Hell yeah!" I mean, <laughs> honestly, like it's latchable, it's lockable, it's got chain, it's fairly yeah. sturdy it's not a bad idea so, right yeah. if you need a thing to hold a thing like maybe use a thing that's designed to hold a thing exactly. <laughs> yeah hmm. i like okay. that okay yeah um dave what do you think should we should we move on to another another game 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. How about you introduce this one? Ian? Okay. So we play another game on the show. Um, we call it FMK Cars. It's based on the classic game of Fuck, Mary Kill. So we play it with cars instead of people. Um, Healthier. Yeah. Yeah. Right? We always <laughs> say because we're not gross. Yeah. We're not gross. Um, so in this, you're going to get three cars. You'll sign FMK. F means you drive it for a day. M means you're going to marry it. It's your new daily driver. And K means you're going to kill it. It goes to the crusher. Okay. All right. I like to assign, we like to give little twists with this as well. So we were talking before about, um, you know, kind of cars being a stable, like how they can kind of be a stabilizing influence and like kind of a through line in the story of our life. Mm-hmm. And so this one is called Continuity is King. So this is going to be cars from the front page of Japanese classics right now. So JDM oh. cars. Okay. With life-changing twists. So okay. every time you drive this car, your life is going to be in flux in some way, but you're going to have the car. Okay. All right. So I mean, the first that's one. That's I live in my life currently. I have an <laughs> yeah. back in the so it's a very imaginable game. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, yeah. I was really going out on a limb with this one. Um, all right. So this one, the first one is a 1995 Nissan Safari Spirit. And Dave will show a... Uh, a picture of it. It looks very oh, cool. Oh, God, that's cool as hell. Yeah, right? yeah it's like they're the uh, little... What uh, motors in this? Is this the, is this I like believe a, it's the, the diesel. Platform? Let's find out. Oh, come on, Dave. You're what screwing it up, buddy. Okay. This is the... Uh, there we go. Let's see. 91K miles. I thought oh. I read that it was the diesel. I'd like to read more if you could. Uh, oh no! Oh no! Oh, here it is. Um, uh, well, it's I a straight that six. One too. Is it the straight six? six. RD twenty eight. It is the turbo diesel four cylinder. That's a Toyota. That's a Toyota. You're, you're oh my god! I'm on the wrong page. That's a motor in my car. There yeah. we go. It's the RD twenty. RD twenty eight. Okay. Straight six. Which I, oh, sorry. I forgot that I'm recorded and I'm like staring this close to my screen. <laughs> oh, you're fine. Hope everybody likes my eyes. I put on makeup today. <laughs> Um, okay. So ooh. that's, so that's uh, locking hubs. Okay. Yeah. This thing's cool as hell. I yeah. could definitely off-road the absolute shit out of that. And most yes. importantly, two-tone. It's two-tone. Yes. Very that cool. Is, that is not a dissimilar scheme from what my aero deck is getting painted in actually. Oh, oh. A, little, a little different than that, but oh yeah, that's, that's new info. It's dropping on the exclusive. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh my God. I can't wait to see okay, that. I well, love your tw- arrow deck so much. Okay. Go on, Ian. Go Thank with you. your game. The twist with this one is at the beginning of every journey, you quit your job and you have a new one by the end. I mean, that's so, basically what this journey has been. So. <laughs> right. 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 But, but I would say like more like career, like you're going to change. I just did that. No, I mean, I wasn't, I was true. a software engineer like five months ago. That's true. So, okay. Um, writing is a new full-time thing to me. So like the last time I did that, it worked, my life worked out better. Um, so I have to drive this. So every single time I drive it, I have to change careers. Like what if I go to the grocery store? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you're <laughs> that one. Okay. That's a little, hmm, it's a lot. I don't know about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of other people. Okay. I like writing. <laughs> I don't know if I can change again after this. <laughs> All right. Well then let's, let's go on to the next one. Let's try the next one. Okay. The next one is a 1992 Hilux surf SSR X. Oh, wow. Um, this is another chonky, yep. uh, JDM. Oh, you want to hear, 
You want to hear a real thing that nobody else has heard yet? I am currently working on trying to get to drive one of these. Oh, really? I like it. Yeah. Very I cool. like surf. So, nice. No promises, but there might be a story about this. Okay, what's the weird life shit with this? Because I don't want it. <laughs> Cut into the core. I love it. No, seriously. Yeah. Just fantastic trucks. All right. Before starting any trip, you must put as many of your personal belongings in the car as possible. Okay, well, basically, you're, gonna be, you're basically going to be moving. Crazy. It's essentially what you're doing now. Yeah, that's your. I would imagine your uh, car Tetris game is just on point. I'm going to add. I'm going to add to this. I'm going to yeah. add. I'm going to go on the fly, and I'm going to add to this. The Russian shuttle uh, model has to be ratchet strapped to the top of the. Oh of yeah, the that's vehicle. that's doable. <laughs> I was actually at some point, if I can ever like have a home again, more permanent than my van, I want to take the Buran to Radwood, and I would really like to uh, tow it in on a trailer behind my van, because oh, that'd man. be cool as shit. Like, yeah, I I want to yeah. find everyone that like all the little kids like that see it on the way to Radwood, like see that in transport, and talk to them like twenty years later to hear the <laughs> no, story right. that they had. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, okay, so this one's cool as hell. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Like in this. Okay. Right, so you've so got the next, personal belongings with that one. Okay. Personal belongings. Yep. So the last one, 1990 Nissan Skyline GTS T. This is the sedan. Or two door. Oh, okay. It's the sedan. Uh, you must uh, begin wait, that's one. A, that's a coupe, isn't it? No, it's a sedan. I think it's, it? the, it's the four oh, door. Oh, nice. yep, boom. Okay, cool. All right. Yeah. It's that's, just a very good looking. Yeah, no, I love these. Right. The taillights on them are just absolute fire too. I know. Um, and for some reason, I just lo- I just uh, love that fucking rear wiper. I just it's like oh, it's so good. Crazy. Rear um, wipers are just God's gift to sedans. We should have gotten more of them. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, why don't we You're have good. them on all our sedans? Yeah. Um, you must begin one new friendship each time you drive this car. So you need to meet and befriend a person. Every time you drive this car, which to be fair, might not be that difficult. Oh God. Yeah. No, that's, that's like my idea of heaven. I love meeting new people. I have made so many friends in this trip. Um, I would just crush purely, that immediately. Just purely <laughs> on a, on a car basis, I would pick this one. Or, yeah. par, par, sorry, purely on a, in a life status basis, I would, I would daily drive this. Okay. And I would take one trip in the Hilux because I could totally pack all my stuff up and make the trip count. And then the whole career thing, like, I already did the career switch. I don't want to do it again. As much as I like the Nissan Safari, I don't like, I found what I was supposed to do. I feel like, like writing is yeah. writing was this scary thing that I was going to quit my career to go do. And not, now I don't want to stop. So that's, I would have to, I would have to crush it. Although I would prefer to not because okay. it's cool on a car basis. Like if you strip away the other things, um, my order ends up almost the same. Actually, okay. no, it doesn't end up the same because I would, these as daily drivers are just phenomenal. Like this is what an RB20 in this one so. T is an RB25. Cause if it's a 25. AC blows RB20, cold. Okay. Yep. RB20. RB20. They sound good. They're not like super modifiable or anything, but there's been so many of these imported to the U S you can actually kind of get parts. Now mm-hmm. there's cool kits. They ride comfy. They're just like sedans, you know? Yeah. Um, so these are great dailies, and I would love to go on a camping trip in a Hilux um, because I can fold down the seats, 
I can make a bed in it. I can do my normal car camping thing. And the patrol safari is so cool, but I see its use as being limited for me because it's so short. Like I don't do a lot of just, I did this over the weekend. I went um, off-roading with Stephen Ewing from uh, CNET's um, car, is it car show? Oh my God. He's going to make fun of me if he listens to this. But anyway, <laughs> um, I hang out with him and he had a, a Defender 90 and we went off-roading and had a short wheelbase like this. And it was super cool, but like, you do that like so rarely. I would so much rather take a road trip and just do like chill off-road stuff than the kind of thing that requires this really short wheelbase, but I can't sleep in. So gotcha. that's my reasoning for both. No, I'm into it. I think you made the right choice. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Dave, what, what would you do? I mean, bucket list car for me is the Skyline period, right? Like, I mean, like 33, 34, like that's, you know, I'm, I'm putting all the pennies in the piggy bank for that, you know, like someday, right? My, my plan is to, is when the, when the like really good 33s and the 34s are start to make a boom and they, they hit really high prices with the demand, I'm going to be the guy that swoops in like seven years later when they need a bunch of service and I'm going to, I'm going to buy the ratty one that has a bunch of rust, just like I did with my vegan. And I'm going to, I'm, gonna have it i'm gonna enjoy it for you know it, the last of its days it's basically like when you uh adopt like a 12 year old pug <laughs> right like that's that's what i want to do with the jdm vehicle jay what yeah. you're describing is automotive hops, hospice care <laughs> yes that's that's exactly it yeah that's that's me i i want to be the caretaker it's gonna burp and fart and snort and it's gonna make you comfortable fine. yep Yep, that's right. I'm going to feed it cake every day. Right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and little STP fuel additives, like, they're there. It's okay. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yep. Are you one PSI down on your tire? Okay. We'll yeah. fix that, buddy. Like I, have a, I have a cat who's like 17 years old, and I've started buying it, buying him um, uh, like uh, these Rachel Ray. Oh. Uh, food food packets they're just gravy so he can just lick them i mean they're just fucking disgusting but yeah same thing yes yep so you gotta spoil the boy a, yeah if my cat was a rusty sob that's exactly what it would be <laughs> yeah no like i victoria i think you picked completely right yeah right yeah. thanks i mean yeah those are so cool i the the greatest um so a lot of people are like Victoria, do you miss your Supra? And the answer is kind of yes. It was a cool sure. car. And every time I get the chance to drive one, I'm like, hell yeah. But the car I miss the most, the car that my, my automotive heart aches for, is my 94 Toyota pickup. Okay. So it was a 22RE, five-speed manual, four-wheel drive, locking hub, mm -hmm. second stick shift, you know, in the cab. It had cloth seats mm -hmm. and... Uh, New for 94 was they added door bars for side impacts and oh, wow. a third taillight they screwed into the roof because they just required them in right. 94. Short cab, short bed. Okay. Uh, they moved me out of my parents' house, which was a very, very, very transformative time in my life. Sure. Um, and I ended up selling it because it needed a timing chain and I couldn't do it by myself because okay. I didn't know how. And I will always miss the thing. It was like that. You see that red one there? Oh, scroll up a little bit. This uh, guy. That, yeah, that one right there. That was mine except it was black. Okay. It had, Perfect. Mine had a lot of rust, but it was it had the same wheels, had the same tires. And my God, it just was so cool. Like 
I it uh, it never let me down. Never had a single mechanical problem. I didn't own it for all that long, maybe six months. Um, okay. But it got me to it got me hundreds of miles away when I needed to take trips. It kept me warm in the winters. It kept me had windows, so it kept me cool enough in the summers. <laughs> yeah, cool. And it moved me out of my parents' house, which is like a very that was what started me on the path to where I am now. It's just like I need that independence, and it provided it for me. So that's perfect. Fucking love this. I could never hurt one. Could, yeah. If you, if, right. If you, hold on, you could be like, I will hold a gun to your head if you don't crush this, and I yeah. might pull the trigger. And I'm like, I still can't do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I'm originally from Missouri. When you turn 16 years old there, they issue you a pickup truck. My, <laughs> mine was a 1988 Nissan before they had names, the hard yes. body pickup truck. Yes. And then my second car was a 1994 Nissan pickup truck. Same thing, Hell cloth yes. interior. I I had the king cab, but my first one was short bed, short cab, all vinyl interior. Like the simplicity of that vehicle is something that I still miss like so much. Oh today, yeah, right. Oh yeah, yeah, right. Well, and just like and just like the thing about Toyotas, I feel like the people neglect to mention is that a Toyota will run like shit forever. Right. Um, they're good cars, but my God, like if I had just left the cuffs on Marsha and just ignored it. I could have driven highways the whole rest of the trip without even <laughs> noticing. Yeah. Like the alternator, I probably could have hit with a hammer three times and gotten another 5,000 miles out of it. Like right. there's no reason they use these things as technicals in the Middle East. Sure, my 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 pickup truck sounded like some sort of uh, like wrestling match with the amount of timing <laughs> and slap it had, but it would keep going for another 50,000 miles like that and it wouldn't complain. You just gave it yeah. more oil to right. shut it up. Um, <laughs> And that's the thing that I miss about that is like knowing that, ah, shit, something's broken on the truck. Oh, well, I got to drive 300 miles. I'll do it later. Like yeah. that feeling is unparalleled. Right. Unfortunately, everyone else knows that too. So like the oh, values of used Toyota pickup trucks are like, I mean, we should just go to that instead of the gold standard. You know, like <laughs> base our currency off of that and it would be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, Victoria, this was, this was a fantastic show. It, we, I think I think we did a car show. Yeah, yeah, we did a we're we're a Russian space podcast now. Yep. We're yeah. I mean, it's funny you mentioned that because the last podcast I was on, literally as a guest, we talked about the um, Tupolev Tu one forty four. That was like the plot of the episode. That was why they brought me in. It was a show about supersonic airplanes, and I literally talked about the Tupolev pretty much the whole time I was on there, <laughs> is, which is, is another failed Soviet engineering project that is a ripoff slash improvement slash worsening of the Western version <laughs> that I am just indescribably fascinated with. It, is that, is that the, uh, what's the, the, the Soviet one that was the amphibious, um, the Akronoplon? Yes. Yes. No, yes. that's different. That that's wasn't different. a plane. That was like a boat. Right. That like skimmed the water. Yeah. It was like a hovercraftish thing. Right. I mean, there's a name for it and I forget what it is. I don't know a ton about acronoplons because they're cool, but like I read a bunch of stories about them and they're definitely like an explored territory and I want to go into the weird stuff. Gotcha. There we Just go. Cause it's fun, you know, like why not? Right. Yeah. That's the same reason that when I see a mountain that I can't find any like information on the trail on, I drive up it. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense nice nice well um well if if people want to find uh your your writings or you on the social medias or anything else uh where where should they go what should they do 
Um, my Twitter is where I'm definitely the most active and where I try to actually respond and keep up with things. That's uh, at Mikuru Beahina. So Mikuru as in Mikuru Asahina, the anime character from The Melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya. Uh, Bay as in the outdated 2012 internet slang. And Ahina <laughs> is in the last part of Mikuru Asahina's last name. Uh, yeah. So that's my Twitter. And then I'm, at, I'm on the drive. You can read my articles under the Vancouver Continental Express. And I also do other series for them as well. Um, and I've got, I freelance with Jalopnik and Motor One and uh, Car Bibles and um, Hemmings occasionally and other sites as well. I think I've got a new article running with a new site this week, actually. I reviewed the VWRT on. Oh, so that okay. should be oh, out very fairly cool. soon. Nice. Nice. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you. Everyone listening, please go follow Victoria Scott. Read all of her stuff. Look at all of her pictures. We haven't even touched on how fucking mind blowingly good of a photographer you are. So we're going to have to save that for another show because that's just a whole nother thing. Yeah. Thank you. So uh, multi hyphenate. Yeah. Victoria Scott. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, so so please go follow her on all the things. Uh, follow us on Apex Adjacent, uh, Apex Adjacent on Twitter. Uh, if you see a weirdo with a vanity plate uh, and you want to text it to us, 720-515-1391 for our crisis line. And uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so there you go. Anything else, Ian? No, I don't think so. I think... Um... Just thank you, Victoria. This oh, was great. And no, thank you so much. It was really fun. I enjoyed it, and I appreciate appreciate you letting me talk about my stories. It means absolutely. Lot to me. Well, good. You're on every month now, so I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> Do not make me edit my own voice, and I just might be like, oh, fine. Yeah. Literally, just I cannot. It is so hard for me to listen to myself on podcasts because I'm just like, yeah. Yeah, I don't care for it either, which is why I never listen to this show. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm completely numb to it by now. But also, we should mention, if you're ever coming to Colorado and you want to go, I don't know, do a whole bunch of go-karting, please let us oh, know. Oh, yeah. Because we can oh, make absolutely. all that happen in Denver for you. Yeah. Colorado is likely. I wouldn't say it's definite because the, the plan is to get to Seattle, essentially. Oh, yeah, there you go. It's a winding route after I escape Los Angeles, finally. And then over to Idaho to see a, um, my friend Brian Dubois, who's a uh, photographer and just general great guy. Um, so I'm going to go hang out with him in, in Idaho. And then from there, I can go wherever I'd like. I have to get back to Houston eventually. But Colorado, Utah, Montana, I mean, I don't know. Awesome. Nice. There's a lot I of have a van. I have a vi- van. I got plenty of time. That's awesome. Perfect. That's awesome. All right. Well, thank you again, everybody else. We love you. Goodbye.